Hey everyone, this is Lee and Alex from Ivy, and we have Leila Jaworski with us today. We're so excited. So let me tell you a little bit about Leila. In 2010, after 12 years in New York, Leila moved back to her hometown in Sacramento, California, with her New Yorker husband, Scott, a boxer dog, Tank in tow, and a baby, Jake, on the way. Leila is a self-taught designer who, after designing on the side for over 10 years, formally launched Design Shop Interiors in 2014 from her kitchen table. I know this is, many of you can relate to that. In less than five years, DSI has quickly grown to a team of 10 with a waiting list of clients. Leila describes herself as a tribal leader who doesn't take herself too seriously, and she's certainly no fancy pants designer who will generally find in jeans and converse. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll dive right into today. Thank you for having me. Great to have you, Leila. This is Alex speaking. Um, so I just wanted to start off by hearing a little bit more about how you started your business and basically what was the aha moment for you as a business owner in understanding that you had a successful interior design business? Any tip that you can give to you know the newbies out there that are just starting out? Um, what steps did you actually take or things did you change to make this happen? Okay, so I should start by saying a design firm with 10 people was never the plan. <laughs> um, it did just kind of unfold organically. And while Design Shop Interiors in its current form really started in January of 2014, my design story kind of goes back to about 2006. Um, mm -hmm. And it's in hindsight that I look at that time frame and realize that I was really um, setting my path to be where this business is today. And of course, hindsight's 2020 and you never know back then where this was going. Um, but in 2006, I got my real estate license and, and I was back in New York then. So I was working in Hudson County, New Jersey. And um, I quickly fell into new construction projects. Hmm. And because I was in that new construction environment and I was working with the construction teams and the buyers, I was constantly, in a construction environment, I was learning how um, homes come together. These in particular were like high-rise condo buildings. And I didn't even realize all the things that I was learning at that time. Um, and really as the design part unfolded, it was kind of by accident. I, I landed this 68 unit building and they hadn't sold any units and they had these two model homes that they were paying six thousand dollars a month to the stagers to rent the furniture wow. and we estimated as the real estate team that it could take us a year to sell that building that was seventy two thousand oh dollars and and they were the most disgraceful things you've ever seen <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> not, sure. not only were they not attractive but what i realized from a real estate perspective is when you're dealing with a 1200 square foot condo space is a premium you guys are in new york you know that yeah um, and I said to the developer, why don't you give me some money and let me and kick this out of here. Let me go shopping and put something together and see what we can do. And it was in that moment that truly I realized, oh, I have a real understanding of space. And, and in, you know, I'm sure all designers look back at their early work and they're like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. That's the most hideous <laughs> thing. But at the time, it was good and it worked and we actually sold that building in far less time that we than we imagined 
And that was kind of where my staging business was born. So I'm self-taught. I've never taken a class. I've never been to design school, but I started realizing I'm kind of good at this. And other real estate agents started calling me and said, hey, can, can you come look at our listing? Hey, can you do this model home? And before I knew it, you know, while real estate was my bread and butter, I'm doing this kind of design thing on the side. And I'm like, hey, this is great. Awesome. Um, and I'm so great. Yeah, and I'm getting all this experience. Um, and as far as kind of what helped launch my business, and you guys, this is probably going to be a surprise to you. You have no idea I'm going to say this, and it's kind of relevant to where I'm I this. am. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sure we should have invited you on the podcast? <laughs> How's was instrumental into the building of my design business. Oh, and you're definitely not the only one who thinks like that. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I just, I look back and I'm like, wow, as my design business unfolded and we kind of came back to California, I didn't even have a website. I used my house profile for four years without a website. I, I had a design shop interiors wow. URL. My husband just had it reroute to my house account. And that's where I was getting my business. Wow. And so it, it, I just thought it was kind of funny how it's come full circle with you guys. Yeah, that's so interesting. And from there, so how did you scale your team to having 10 people working for you? So um, after kind of working on my own for about a year, I, I needed help. And what I really thought that I needed help with was admin help. Because in my mind, I was, you know, thinking, well, how could somebody else design? People are hiring me to design. You know, how do I pass that baton off? And so I hired Whitney. And Whitney is incredibly talented. The one thing that she is not talented at is admin work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Whitney started working for me and we had gotten a call from someone who wanted to hire us and I said hey I'm too busy I, I can't take your project on right now and Whitney said why don't you let me do it and I was like okay we got nothing to lose like I can't do this but go ahead and she knocked it out of the park wow. and it was this that was my aha moment where I went oh collaboration. This doesn't have to just be about me. We can do this together. And it just kind of continued to snowball from there. And then pretty soon it was me and Whitney and Ashley. And they, they make me better and they made the business better. And it was when it became the three of us that things really started to take off. That's so interesting. And how did you, so I think sometimes I hear designers are in this conversation, like when do they expand their team? How, like, so I think, how did you know you had the, the resources and the, the, to even bring on someone? Well, first, you know, it, it is terrifying. Don't get me wrong, but it was organic. I needed the help. I was turning work away and I'm having conversations with my husband. Like I can't keep up. I, I can't do all of this. And, you know, I didn't go, um, I didn't take on a bunch of debt. The, the business was driving the need for help. And I always looked at it like, okay, if, if, these people are charging and we're billing. Am I paying for them? And it always was. And so every time we added somebody new, it was an organic need that we had to fill to maintain the business. That's so, and how did you hire? Like, how did you even look for the right people to hire? Well, I, I definitely think that um, the universe has always looked out for us. 
um, because I always joke that they've just brought me the most talented souls. Um, Instagram is a big one. I Instagram. Always- wow. So you hired people find, finding them on Instagram. Yeah. I keep an eye on like the local talent and who's out there and what's going on. And, um, but Whitney was actually a referral. Okay. And Ashley was a friend of Whitney's. And um, our next hire was a bookkeeper. And I just, you know, I put an ad on an Instagram, hey, we're hiring. And our bookkeeper is actually the retired mother of a friend who I waited tables with when we were like 21 years old. Wow. That's circle. Amazing. That's amazing. And so, you know, every time I've just, I've needed somebody, I've really kind of looked out there and, and sometimes they've approached me and I've said no. And then a year later we end up connected. Or, or I've reached out to them on Instagram. That's so cool. Wow. And now talking about growing your business, growing your team to 10 people, that's unbelievable, Layla. Like, congratulations, hands down to that. Uh, but what about your business model? So I would love you to walk us through your business model. Uh, how do you make money? Is it from product, product markups? Is it from charging hourly? You have rates. Just tell us how you build out your bottom line. So it has been and I would say probably continues to be an evolution and a work in progress. And I feel like for so long, I, I was constantly caught up in, well, what's everybody else doing? And what's everybody else charging? And I've realized there is no one size fits all. There is no perfect answer to that question. And we've, you know, we charge by the hour. We've done flat rate fees. I feel like we have tried it all. Um, and we are now at a space where I'm pretty confident is where we're going to stay and we charge by the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an initial consultation fee for all new clients and I don't go anywhere for free uh, because I, people would literally run me seven days a week on free consultations if I did that. So mm-hmm. part of kind of, um, qualifying your business is if somebody is really serious, then they will pay for a consultation fee. And my initial visit with a client truly is a consultation. It is not a meet and greet. And I know a lot of designers kind of do this 30 minute meet and greet where they're going to go in and and talk to the client and they hold back. They don't want to like give up the farm. They don't want to give all of their information away. Mm -hmm. So what that's doing the client now doesn't know what you're capable of. So in their mind, they're like, okay, I don't even know what this girl's really going to do and probably not going to hire you. Whereas I go into it and I say, look, I'm going to give you a consultation. You are truly going to get the best of me for two hours and you're going to compensate me for that. And if we never meet again, we're even. And, And then they see what I'm capable of. And that usually leads to the full service work. And in our full service work, we do charge by the hour. And so no markup. So you do. So you don't do anything with with product markups. Oh no, we do. Oh, you do. Okay. So so you charge by the hour, and then you also do product markups. So what what does that look like? Um. Again, kind of one of those. I listened to your um your podcast with Susan Winterstein, and it was wonderful. And I I loved how she spoke about the whole markup aspect of it, and the MSRP versus what you see online, and all that good stuff. And and she, you know hit the nail on the head that we don't charge retail. I'm, I'm not going to charge clients full retail price. And the fact is, is retail is so many things now when you're competing with online sellers. Mm-hmm. So 
our markup, if, you know, I want my clients to feel like they're getting a value, getting a value in our service and getting in a value at the products that we can offer them. And so we will Google things and say, okay, what, if they were going to buy this table online, what are they going to find it for? Mm -hmm. And we will try to kind of meet them in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the flip side, if I have a really good client who's buying a lot of furniture and spending a lot of money with us maybe I throw them a bone with something really special. Maybe there's a pair of chairs that are just at a budget um, with a markup. But if I can, you know, give them close to pretty, give them to them for pretty close to cost, maybe I'll do that kind of as a gift and as a thank mm-hmm. you for their business. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really a nice interesting. Idea. That's yeah. a really nice idea. So, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. And on the service front, so how did you go from, you know, staging to offering more than six different kinds of services from <laughs> consulting, building commercials and flips. That's a lot, a lot of different things. And, you know, how do you manage all these different aspects of your business and how do you charge for them? Have you always charged for, have you always offered these, this array of, of offering? I think, I, yes, we did. And I think maybe like in the beginning, as this business have gro- has grown and we've gotten more organized, um, I've, I've really been able to, to dissect it and pull it apart and say, yes, these are all the things that we offer. Um, the commercial end of it, I will say, is the least part of my business. Um, commercial is not my wheelhouse like residential is. Is that for personal taste or what's the reason for it? Um, I think I enjoy residential more. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are aspects of commercial design that are very technical. Mm-hmm. And as a self-taught designer, that I don't have that education or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like I am not the best fit for a client, my motto is, is I will give up a job before I will screw up a job. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, little, the little commercial that we do is usually for clients who've been our long-term residential clients. Um, or just something kind of out of the ordinary that I think we would be a good fit for. So commercial is, is kind of one of those things that's off to the side. Um, the flipping end of it, along with the real estate and the staging, flipping was kind of the next um, step in my evolution of this business. When I moved back to California and I was pregnant and I was not working and then I had a baby and I was really struggling with, okay, I'm a new mom. What's my identity? I want to go back to work. What am I going to do? I left this lucrative real estate career. Who am I? Um, A friend of mine was the vice president of one of Sacramento's highest volume house flipping companies. He called me up and said, hey, I need a project manager. And I was like, that, sign me up. That is right up my alley. Um, And I spent a year doing that. And we flipped almost 200 houses in a year. Oh my God. How is that even possible? (laughs) I can manage a lot. Um, I can see that. And with a baby in tow. I'm really so it was an introduction back into construction. It was an introduction into, um, into that space. Yeah. Yes. And so um, as a designer who has a real estate background and a house flipping background, that it, it was just kind of a natural flow that when I really launched my design business, mm-hmm. those investors were approaching me. And, you know, in the beginning of your business, you take everything that comes your way. 
you are trying to start your business. And so that was a huge um, part of my business in the beginning. And I will say the flips that I was doing, they were more high end. They were more like niche market, mm -hmm. not, you know, your typical turn and burn kind of flips. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it, you know, decorating, renovating, new construction builds, it, it all just kind of unfolded. We were doing all of those things. And now I understand how to break them down individually. Right. And have you prioritized? Like, do you ever have to say no to projects? Yes. And we are now in a space, like I said, when you first start your business, you take it all. You take whatever you get. Yeah. But now we're in a space where we can be a little bit more selective. We can be more selective with the client. We can be more selective with the mm -hmm. job. If, nice. we, if we don't feel that we could have a shared vision on a job or with a client, that's not a job for us. They need to find their match as a designer. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as kind of like the structure of our business, as time has unfolded, I now kind of break it down into two teams. We have what I call the renovating and construction team, and we have what I call the decorating team. And when clients call me, I kind of explain it to them that way. A new living room full of furniture is the decorating team. A new bathroom or a new construction home is the construction team. And we're all able to focus our talents um, on the things that we like to do most. Makes yeah. total sense. And then on that point um, about taking on projects, how do you onboard new clients and manage those relationships and the, you know, their expectations during the life cycle of a project? So, you know, how often do you get in touch with them? What's really your routine and what's the routine of your employees in handling this? It's funny. So the, the whole word onboarding has actually been in my world for, for quite a while. Um, now that we are a team of 10 and now that we are trying to operate at a different level, you have to get more organized. And I will say like, as if you're a new designer, just kind of starting, you're not going to know these things. And we have learned them by trial and error. And as you know, it used to be when we got a new client, like onboarding, what was onboarding? Yay. We got a new client. <laughs> There was no process. Um, I actually worked for years without even having a contract, oh, which is. I don't want to hear that. I know. I know. Right? It's mind boggling. Now I have like a 10 page contract um, that has also been an evolution. And we actually just went through like a re edit of our contract to make mm -hmm. sure that we have that dialed in. We're putting together a questionnaire that we will now send out to people before we even go do the consult. We're trying to to answer all of the questions for ourselves and for the new client before we even start the process. Mm -hmm. And I think part of, of onboarding is also qualifying those clients um, on that initial call. And I like to be the one to take all new business calls. Nobody has that conversation with me because nobody can have it the way that I can have it. Mm. Um, so we make, so as part of the onboarding, we're making sure that we're qualifying the right clients. We're getting information to them and we're getting information from them. Um, and as far as developing the relationships with them, not only do I like to have the original business call, I personally try to go on every new client consult myself mm -hmm. and I will take whatever senior designer is going to be assigned to the job with me. There's occasions where I can't, um, but they're rare. And I think 
there's something to be said for me as the business owner in developing that first relationship with the client. And it sets the tone for the way that they're going to interact with their senior designer and all of us from the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually on that point, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on a topic that's coming up a lot in our designer discussions. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, when you're purchasing items on behalf of your clients, is it final sale for you? Um, what if they're not happy with the item that you've purchased for them? How do you confront the situation? And we you know what advice can you give on designers on, on the general rule that you apply to these kinds of situations? So as much as we have in writing <laughs> and signed documents that say non-returnable, 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 um, at the end of the day, I don't think that there's a one size fits all answer to that. I think there's a lot of variables in why someone would all of a sudden have changed their mind. And I think I, as the business owner, I have to hear them and I have to look at the bigger picture. And if I have a client who's unhappy with someone, with something, how much is an unhappy client worth to my business versus a happy client? And maybe I took back a $1,500 table. Um, so my, for me, my reputation is everything and, and we all make mistakes and those things have happened. And I would say over the course of these years, I've spent a lot of money fixing mistakes wow. and to, in order to maintain re my reputation. And at the end of the day, if I have to take something back, even though I said it was non-returnable, I'm probably going to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, also, it depends on the client, the relationship that you have with yeah. them. It's, there's just, there's no one size fits all answer to that, but, but I know that a happy client is the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Yeah. That's really great advice. And speaking of advice, what are some words of wisdom that you would like to share with our community? It's, you know, pieces of knowledge that you've picked up along the way while building this 10 person team that you think can help listeners today who might be going through a rough patch with dealing with a nightmare client or having made a big mistake on a project or, you know, struggling to get new business to those listening right now, what piece of inspiration and wisdom would you like to remind them of and share with them? So as far as like a nightmare client or a big whoops, um, been there, done that. I think you can look at those moments in your business as a learning opportunity. You'll be ahead of the game. Um, Ashley, one of my designers, she was the second person I ever hired. She once asked me, you know, how, how do you know so much like about construction or things like that? And I said, because every time I have messed up, I've learned to not do that again. <laughs> you know, where it's, it's not if a mistake is going to happen, it's when a mistake is going to happen. You have to give yourself grace. You have to give your team grace, whether that's my immediate design team or whether that's my contractors. Mm. And if we, you know, I have learned that, especially because I'm involved in like so much renovation and things like that. Um, if you can give people grace and you can accept that the mistakes are going to happen and you can come at them from a solution, a solution oriented place it's going to be okay. If you're someone who's going to kind of lose it every time a mistake happens, you're, you're not going to be a good leader on the project. And this probably isn't the business for you. 
Um, as far as nightmare clients, that's going to happen. And, and hopefully as your business goes on and you're learning to qualify clients, like I talked about a little bit earlier, hopefully you can head something like that off. Um, I want, oh, go ahead. On that point of, you know, doing a lot of, um, you know, building projects, like any wisdom on working with contractors? Find your people. <laughs> find your people and stick with your people. How do you um, find your people? Oh God. I mean, trial and error. <laughs> I've, you know, I've definitely worked with people who are not my people. Um, and when you find the good ones, um, foster those relationships and, and really try to stick with them. And I have found that most people coming to us, they want our resources. They want to work with the people that we work with. And, you know, I've worked with contractors that aren't mine and it's gone amazing. And I've worked with contractors that aren't mine and it's, it's gone horrible and they might not be solution oriented. And when problems happen, mm -hmm. it, it goes wrong because we aren't working together. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and could just kind of like going back to some words of wisdom for people. What I, I once, I was actually going through kind of a rough patch with a client that I was preparing to break up with. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw something on Facebook. It was like one of those memes. And it basically said, you can't be everyone's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And it, it really resonated with me. And I thought, yeah, you can't. I, you can't make everyone happy at all times. I can't be everything to everyone. And if I do have those moments of those clients where if I didn't qualify them on the front end, that's my fault. I take responsibility for that. So if I have to end that relationship, I have to take responsibility for that, but it's okay. You can't be everyone's cup of tea. Did you break up with them in the end? The client? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did you do that? Um, there's been a couple Actually, um, there was, there was actually one very recently, I broke up with her before even the initial consultation. <laughs> what, what are the red flags to kind of identify these clients that designers shouldn't be doing business with? Like what were the reasons for breaking up with them? So this particular instance, um, something came up in my schedule. I was, I was scheduled to go to a new client consult with Angie, one of my senior designers in construction, and we were going to bring our new junior. So there were three of us going to this consult. And if anybody who follows us on social media, they know the names of my girls. I shot them from the mountaintop. They know the work that they're putting out. They know who they are. And something had come up with my schedule. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it, but you're in good hands with Brie and Angie. And her reaction to that simple change was, was such a red flag for me. And it was such a big deal that I thought, wow, you are not someone that I can get into a construction project with. If, if this little bit took you to this place, having your house ripped apart is, is not where I want to be with you. And so I just said to her, I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I've been doing this for a long time, but I can tell right now that you and I are not going to be a good fit for each other and you will be better off with another designer. Well, that was very brave and probably saved you a lot of headaches. Yes. So that was a very <laughs> smart decision to make. <laughs>
Well, thank you, Leila, for being with us today. Really, I'm, I'm so, so impressed and inspired by your growth and how you faced the many different challenges that came your way from moving back home to having a baby and developing a business from nothing and a successful one. Thank it, you. It's really incredible, and especially with that prior training. So good, good job on all fronts. We're really impressed. I'm really happy to have you in the Ivy community. And thank you to all the, our listeners today for chiming in and listening. Uh, we're excited to share Leila's story with all of you. Yeah. As Alex said, you are really inspiring in your background. I think you'll encourage others to be empowered and building on a team to 10 people. That's not many interior designers do that. So kudos to you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.